The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome to this family weekend edition of The Real Money Show. My name is Jeremy Wiseman. I'm joined by Jerry Karaya. And we'll keep it simple. We'll keep it light for all the families. We'll try. You can't trust your government. <laughs> nothing <laughs> nothing <laughs> works the way it should. Uh, but we have some solutions for you. And the big solution is going to be actually owning things that are real instead of giving into the uh, fake world that we're that they're trying to convince us of and all of the distortions of economic numbers and all of that blah, blah, blah. So what we're going to be talking today is about ways to get your rebate on all of this inflation that you're feeling in your pocketbook when you go to the grocery store or go to the movies or anything like that, if you're going to the movies these days. Um, and of course, you know, the way the way the mainstream is treating it is they say, look, if things are getting a little too tough, just skip a meal. That's their answer to it all. They say skip breakfast. But that is all coming to an end, as we saw an article this week come out by JP, uh, talking about JP Morgan and BlackRock and how they are basically, they, they are going broke by going woke. And so they're turning their back on this whole woke agenda and they're leaving. What is it that they're leaving, Jerry? The climate group, the uh, Climate Action 100 Plus or CA 100 Plus. Um, so this is trillions of dollars that they have parked along with State Street and, and BlackRock. And literally they said, you know, we're, we're going to be backing away from this. We're transferring our membership to something that we're going to be involved in. We'll, we'll take it from here. Thanks so much. So the, I'm begging, you know, I'm begging the question, like, what happens to the campaigns that we're seeing on the commercials? We're seeing about five, ten commercials every single day from one channel about how we're going to make everything sustainable. And what the article was basically saying, what it was, what it was reading was earlier in the year, two years ago, the, the term the ESG, you know, economic sustenance and governance was the go-to, you know, you, you have to do this. Now it's become a faux pas. You don't want to talk about that. If it's in your, if it's in the 2004 prospectus, we don't want anything to do with it. And I guess that would be, you know, you would file that under things are changing rapidly in a good way. This would be one of those dominoes falling that say, hey, look, chalk this up as a win. Chalk this up as a win. This is a massive win. This is, this is them retreating, and, and they're, they're showing you that they're retreating and, on this. And how they retreat is what we are promoting here is by voting with your pocketbook. If you don't like a policy or if you don't like a program or if you don't like a certain subscription, you unplug. And that's what they've done. They, they've taken their money. And they voted elsewhere. And we want to see. We're going to just have to keep and, and just witness what happens with this ESG movement and how they're going to pivot from this. But this is, this is J.P. Morgan. <laughs> well, it's one thing to sit back and witness things that are happening. But then there's another thing to know that inaction could hurt you. And when we are, we're looking at the program that the Fed is about to end because of FTX last year, we were just talking about it before we jumped on air, the bank term funding program. So this is about to end. And that means that the money has to be paid back. They either have to roll over the program, open up a new program by a different name. But either way, the money stops. So what are they going to do? Are they going to print more money, Jerry? They're going to, 
you know, they're already saying they're not going to drop the interest rates. They're going to stay. Uh, they're going to stay higher for longer. But we're heading towards the countdowns on for this to happen. Yeah, it feels like there's a countdown to many different crises. We just and they could pop up anywhere at this point because the system's so fragile because of all this money printing. And eventually, they're going to have to capitulate to this. Mm-hmm. There's so much debt in the world. What are they going to do? They're going to have to print more money. That's what the bank term funding program was in the first place. What are they going to do? Yeah, that's the that's the big question. Then what? The Fed bank bailout program ending this March. In fact, March 11th, it's scheduled to shut down. There are a lot more questions. Uh, we know what they usually do is repackage it. This one was called the Bank Term Funding Program, BTFP. And this was birthed after the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank last March and allowed did allow the banks to easily access liquidity and cash. And liquidity is, is, is rapidly leaving. If you're watching what's going on in the repo markets, that's being drained by hundreds of billion dollars. There is no liquidity anywhere. And they're going to be begging, especially when more banks, more regional banks that are feeling the pinch, commercial, real estate, Banks that are the banks that are exposed to these types of lending, uh, lending risks, these counterparties, but the debts will keep on going, and the the big one would be the interest to pay on all of this debt. The bank wants to offer another another sweet a sweetheart deal, but they're really cornered, especially when they're cornered right now. Uh, we have never seen them cornered like this before. When they're talking about, we have to raise, we have to, you know. Uh, keep rates higher for longer to fight inflation, but they have to cut. Ultimately, they will be cutting this year. So how does that play out with the gold market and the silver market in terms of the banking institutions, financial institutions really have their backs to the wall right now? Um, You know, word on the street is, I mean, we've already seen a lot of banks who are firing people. Um, it's not just mainstream media news organizations that are cutting. It's also financial institutions. BlackRock has been firing people. All sorts of institutions have continued to let go of staff. So what does that mean when all of these things are happening? The debts are ballooning. The We're, we're heading towards this wall of debts coming due, but they're keeping the rates up which means they have to pay the interest on it, which is why the Fed is all of a sudden losing money for the first time to the tunes of hundreds of billions of dollars. How does that play into the gold and silver market? It does because it highlights what gold offers. And when we see how interconnected issues become, when we talk about dominoes, it's one domino hitting another, hitting another. It's a contagion effect. And why this is important for the gold market and us in the gold community as gold and silver dealers. Remember a huge, a, a very important quote that Alan Greenspan, after his tenure at the Federal Reserve, I think it was in, during the 80s and early 90s or in, during the when, 90s. When, when, when um, SNL was good. Yeah, when SNL <laughs> was good, in fact. He said, I view gold as the primary global currency. It is the only currency, along with silver, that does not require a counterparty signature. And this is very important. We're talking about a bullion that is insurance against failure of all other entities and investments. Bullion provides the best form of liquidity, and that's why central banks own it for liquidity and elimination of counterparty risks for thousands of years. It's done this. It's secured wealth, but it's overlooked but overlook no longer because central banks are buying, uh, countries are buying. Uh, 
but a direct physical allocation provides us with these three things, zero counterparty risk, sufficient liquidity for larger investors, and three, no dependence on management for performance. I don't need your bank to survive. My gold and silver can survive and can thrive. I'm never cornered. He who has the gold makes the rules. And that's the bottom line when it comes down to how we judge what's going on in the situation, Jeremy. Yeah, and not only that, it because it's a finite commodity, both gold and silver, there's a finite amount. There's 5 billion ounces of gold above ground. You can only add to the gold supply by about 1.5%, 1 1.75% per year, which is a, ti in a tiny amount. Silver, you've got, I mean, if you're listening to the uh, Silver Institute, maybe 2 billion ounces, although we know only half a billion come out of the ground. All of that's getting used up, so there's a deficit. 2 billion ounces, there's 8 billion people on the planet. That means not everybody can even own an ounce of silver. So you're talking about an infinitesimally small market where at $23 an ounce, it's worth $46 billion. Okay? I, I think... Elon Musk paid more for Twitter. <laughs> so it tells you how small the market is, but yet when there's a rush, when you decide everyone, or when people decide I need to protect myself, it's too late. It's too late. Now you're gonna try to go out and buy 10 ounce bars of silver. Who's gonna have 10 ounce bars of silver? Those are usually the first I, to go. I've been ta talking to clients about that, and I know I'm kind of going off a little bit, but you know, dealers only hold, you know what, maybe, 3,000 ounces worth of 10-ounce bars at any given time, really, because it's a small product. But when the market goes crazy, you know, Jerry, because it's always you. You get the phone call. Someone wants two monster boxes of 10-ounce bars. Guilty. And you sell it. You don't <laughs> ration it. And, you, and, my, and, and my dad gets all angry. He goes, what's Jerry doing? And that's it. There goes half the like supply. First, first come, first serve. There goes half the supply. Now we have to wait a week, two weeks to get to get some more product in. So what I'm talking about here is that in the real world, where there's a lack of physical product, where you're talking about a finite market, and people are all taking their worthless fiat currency to try to get something for it, not only will it push the market up dramatically, but the gains to be had on that if you get in early are incredible. See, if you get in at $50 in silver when seeing is believing and you finally believe that it's real, when silver goes to 100 you've made 100%. Great. Congratulations. But if you've got in at $25, at $50, you're already up 100 which means that at $100 an ounce, you're up 300%. 300 versus 100 That is what you're looking for to get your inflation rebate. That is what's going to see you through to the next financial system. You need to make back all this money, guys. What, mm -hmm. they're, what they're doing to us is criminal with the taxes and inflation and everything that they're trying to do. Obviously, you probably saw that Tucker Carlson clip where he was in Russia and he bought the same amount of goods at a grocery store and it cost $100 instead of 4 Yeah. Instead of $400. That would have cost, cost 400 bucks. That's happening here. How do we protect ourselves? You get a finite asset that has incredible potential and is still actually undervalued. The number, one eight seven seven eight silver The website, guildhallwealth.com. More to come on The Real Money Show on 640 Toronto.
You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. We're talking no-nonsense holding of physical precious metals. It's functional. It's high-performance. It is a heavyweight for all of the central banks around the world because they keep buying physical gold, right? They're not going out saying, oh, we're going to acquire this currency or that currency. They say, no, 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 we want gold. And actually, I, I heard this week, a couple of days ago, Jerry, that Egypt is uh, no longer using the U.S. dollar. Um, the U.S. is going to have to come up with something to get people to want to use their dollar again. And I have a great answer. Could you guess what it is? <laughs> I think we're going to get there later in the show, right? Well, why don't we go now? Okay. We can, we can definitely go there right now, Jerry. <laughs> Let me just shuffle my, uh, my papers around my desk. So we're talking about something that is going to reverse what happened years ago, back in 1969, when we saw Gresham's Law in reverse. Now, Gresham's Law is the good money driving out the bad money. And in 1969, uh, the... The silver users, the Association of Silver Use Users, urged the Congress to, and prompted them to pass the Coinage Act of 1969, which called for the, for the removal of physical precious metals out of coinage. Okay, so just, just hold on a second there. My recollection on that story was that there wasn't enough silver, that they needed silver... And people were hoarding this, the the silver coins, um, or there just wasn't enough in in circulation. And Lyndon Johnson said, "There's not enough silver, so we have to take it out of the coinage." But what you're saying is actually there was a behind the scenes action going on. Yeah, it looks like that, and we're getting more information as our viewers on YouTube follow us. We have had a series with uh, John Forrest Little, and this is coming from the Silver Silver Academy, really exposing stuff from the Silver Institute. So back in '69, the Silver users who are associated with the same mission of the Silver Institute um, appeared before Congress, passed the Coinage Act that removed silver from half dollars and silver dollars. So they're basically removing demand. And what they argued that day in Congress was the silver thus saved could be put to more effective use, including national defense purposes. So we're talking about the big, the big military machines, Jeremy. This is the real entity who wants and who needs the gold and silver. So the better use for silver, instead of being in the coins, was to be used for military purposes. Not for the peasants. For the military, that's the, correct. Not for us. The military-industrial complex. Mm -hmm. Got it. And he, and John Forrest Little, he made a big note. The silver users, the Silver Institute, they don't want silver prices really to move higher. Because just like you, if you owned Hershey's, the chocolate company, you would not want high sugar and cocoa prices. So that's what happened back then. It was a reversal, <laughs> a reversal of Gresham's Law. Make... Uh, driving out the good money and bringing in the bad money. And that's what we've been dealing with since the 70s, right? And this is why we're seeing inflation and all of that ugly stuff that comes with bad money. 
Oh, and also the distortions in investments, the distortions in understanding value, um, the distortions in um, the measures uh, of inflation or or just people's values in general. I know I've told the story, but, you know, when I saw at Christmas time, they're selling Monopoly and the winner is those who can do the most crime. I thought, okay, I think we just hit the peak here on the destruction of the the currency and the economy, because this is the complete opposite of the purpose of this game. Mm hmm. Yeah, that horrible. But this week um, in Arizona, the Arizona Senate Committee is trying to reestablish Gresham's Law. They are passing a bill to establish the bullion depository, yes, physical precious metals depository, and transactional gold-backed currency for the great state of Arizona. And that bill was passed uh, 1633 on February the 5th. Um, that would facilitate the issuance of state-minted gold and silver along with specie-backed transactional currency. And this is the currency that is going to be able to be constitutional. You can pay your debts, and that's what constitutional money is. But they've worked on a way, Jeremy, to become more transactional, usable. And the more we use this currency, the more demand we're going to need for, the, for that metal. And they've figured out a way to make the gold and silver not just physical and backed by, you know, having the paper backed, specie backed by gold and silver, but transact in a digital form. And I've always been an advocate of this type of digital currency. If it is state backed, if it is constitutional, backed by gold and silver, and you're going to put it onto a debit or MasterCard or something like that and allow me to pay my bills with it, perfect. I'm adopting that. So that's what's being passed. Texas is doing the same thing. Um, we've been following this trend of going back to the U.S. gold standard. And we're following this trend, and it's moving rapidly right now. And I think the big thing before you say, oh, well, that's crazy. You know, those, are, those, those darn Americans. You have to understand that that is going to be so successful because people are going to be able to trust that currency so much that it's going to be a, a boom for that economy in that state. And people are going to realize this is a good thing. And it's just going to create more of a dichotomy between uh, conservative and liberal states, the ones that aren't using it and the ones that are using it and seeing seeing their economies grow rapidly because people trust the money and they know that their their goods and services aren't going to rise rapidly all of a sudden. Exactly. And it's, it's a template that we're seeing geopolitically around the world. It's the same thing that the mainstream media, when they saw the BRICS being birthed because of the, um, the militarization of the currency, and, and we're seeing de-dollarization, this trend, these countries who normally did not get along with each other, they found a common denominator with each other, which is gold, which yes. is physical resources. And fast forward to today, and the BRICS are continuing this momentum. So states are noticing this, and it looks as though, like Vince Lancey wrote and commented on, you know, this is Arizona joining the BRICS. Ooh, I didn't think about it that way. But I guess ultimately the history is a pendulum swinging, and the pendulum will swing back to commodity-backed currencies so that people can trust the value of those currencies. And, you know... Um, I got I to gotta tell you this story of what I, what I saw this week because it kind of plays into this. You know, a commodity-backed currency allows for flexibility, right? It allows you to, if you need more currency, you go out and you get more of the commodity. 
And if you're using less of it, then you can sell off the commodity. So it, it does kind of become a little bit flexible for the needs because you need a currency to be flexible if there's, if there's things happening, right? Mm -hmm. You have more people moving into the country and you have more wealth coming into the country because you have more exports. You have more wealth gathered in that country and more currency that is required, right? right? You saw this with China. We're buying all their goods, or we, you know, both U.S., Canada, and we are buying it in U.S. dollars that have to be converted to yuan. So they have to produce more yuan. Right. Right? They have to produce more yuan and sell off the U.S. dollars or hold it into another currency. So when there's a growing economy, you need more currency. So it is good to have some flexibility there. And what when you were talking, I was thinking about the ETF. I was like, basically, it works like the ETF. If you have more investment demand, you have to own more gold. If you have less investment demand, then you would sell off the gold as, as required mm -hmm. for what the currency requires. Right. So I think that that's kind of interesting. On mm -hmm. another note, um, I saw this picture. Um, someone was pushing crypto, which is fine. Um, and it was a picture of a gold rock, like an unrefined gold nugget. And next to it was a representation of Bitcoin. Oh, the coin with the B on it? Yes. Okay. And it was choose your poison, you know, da-da-da. It was basically denigrating gold as a pet rock. And yet, it's representa crypto's representation was a refined coin of gold. <laughs> and I thought, yeah. is, did you guys miss that one? You know, you're, you're using gold to represent what you think you have, but you don't. And it reminded me of the surrealist painter uh, Magritte, who did a painting called This Is Not a Pipe. It's a picture of a pipe, and underneath it says, this is not a pipe. <laughs> and that's the world we're living in now. Convince yourselves. Mm -hmm. Convince yourselves. But at the end of the day, we need commodities. So speaking of needing commodities, let's talk about what's happening in Canada with the miners and needing commodities, specifically silver. Yeah, specifically in silver. So last week, uh, a paper, it, it was a petition uh, signed by 19 major uh, gold and silver, predominantly silver miners in North America from First Majestic, uh, Core Mining, Mag Silver, Hecla, Metallic Minerals, Silver Crest, you name it, Silver Storm. Good job to all of them. You know, thank you for what you do. We appreciate you know, Keith, great job. But they were also partnered with the Silver Institute, so I started to scratch my head. I you know, and um, I forwarded the article over to John Forrest Little. But this this was a petition to the Minister of Energy and Natural Resources, uh, Enercan, petitioning silver to be recognized as a critical metal for Canada because of all of the industrial demands, because of the need for, for ESG, for solar purposes. But again, just like the Silver Institute, what they normally do is overlook the big elephant in the room, Jeremy. Which is? Which is the military, which, which, whose demand is about 15 times larger than the solar industry demand for silver. 15 times, yet their number one reason is for PV solar demand, which is great. I'm, I'm all for solar panels. I, I have my solar panels as well. I'm all, also getting a little bit more just in case. But 
when you when the real need is military i mean let's get let's get real here let's let's start focusing on where we should be highlighting it really just feels that the powers that be are trying to convince us that that the so busy virtue signaling environment and virtue signaling peace are the ones that are most destroying the environment and the most who are bringing the us to the precipice of of major wars and yet all of these things where you can virtue signal your electric car, but you have to build that electric car and you need commodities to make that electric car. And it's terrible for the environment on the production side and the energy costs and things like that. So you sit there and you say, heads we win, tails we win. It is a, a world based on things that we need to run the world of electric and digital and all of that beautiful stuff. But at the end of the day, when I turn a light switch on, there's a silver contact point. If I use a computer, there's silver in it. The microphone that we're talking on probably has some silver in it. The phone that you use has silver in it. The car you're driving has silver in it. And if it's an electric car, it's got a lot of silver mm -hmm. in it. Um, TVs, um, medical usages, bandages, they're putting it in cars. I, I love the one where they're going to put it in the windshields because we've done the ice cube test and how it, uh, how it conducts electricity. So many usages coming forward, transition lenses, it's in athletic clothing, uh, reflective material, anything electronic, anything digital. And you say, oh, well, but that's the world we're rejecting. <laughs> okay, but the world you're rejecting needs all of this stuff to run all of the other stuff that you're embracing. And so you can try to outrun the reality of it, but you can't and you need this stuff. And when you have, you know, the Silver Institute calling it a strategic metal in 1968, and now you have the miners saying this is a strategic metal in 2024 and the mining is just getting destroyed. Mm -hmm. Wait till you see what's happening with the buying and the arbitrage. There's, it is going to get so crazy in this market. You will kick yourself if you were not involved early enough. The number, 18778SILVER, the website, guildhallwealth.com. You can buy it direct. You can own it in your registered account, have it allocated, segregated, held outside the banking system because we want to be out of that fragility. Let's talk about where it's going to go and how great it's going to be in the next segment of The Real Money Show on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver the website guildhallwealth.com. We're not the only ones who see that uh, silver specifically is a great asset to hold. Asia's seeing that as well. In fact, they have. Uh, there was a report this this past week, Jerry. I don't know if you saw it, but the demographic of of younger Chinese citizens buying gold it's gone way down. It's like now down to like eighteen to thirty. Wow. Are the are the people who are buying gold now. Well done. So it's yeah, it's great to see younger generations understanding what real money is and how to store a value. And you know, with the thing with gold and silver is the longer you have it, the more you appreciate it because the more you see how it how it does its job. If you're just gonna pay attention to the price, you've learned nothing. That's why you have to tune into The Real Money Show and hear all the great stuff that we're talking about week in, week out, because you have to get under the surface. They want you to not be involved in this market. They want control over the fiat currency. They want to make sure that there is no canary in the coal mine to tell you that there's a barometer of the system. They want the numbers 
distorted permanently. They don't want you educated on these sorts of things. So let me ask you this, you know, and ask your friends and family at dinner tonight, were you ever educated on money at school? Did they ever show you how to balance a book or where money comes from? I see people trying to redefine money every day and it makes zero sense. Money is what it's always been and it has to be a store of value first, mm -hmm. right? And you can have combination store of value and then a unit of exchange, right? But that unit of exchange has to have a store of value backing it. Deemable. That's money. You have to understand the difference between fiat currency and what money is, which is a store of value it's always just words being right. used incorrectly. But what's happening now, did you hear about the arbitrage that's going on? No, please enlighten me. So silver's being sold much cheaper in America than it is in Asia. So Asia's taking delivery at the lower price from America and selling it in Asia at a higher price. Mm -hmm. That's arbitrage. Yes. Basic arbitrage. So while you're trying to keep the price down, Silver Institute and all of these other things. In the meantime, you're losing all of the physical metal. And most people, unfortunately, just look at the price and say, I don't want to buy it while it's $23 an ounce. I'll buy it when it's when it's 50, when I when I can be when I prove when it's proven that this thing can go up. You have to listen to the show every week and understand what's going on behind the scenes and how great a deal it is to be able to buy it right now. Asia is eating our lunch when it comes to this. Central banks are eating our lunch when it comes to ownership of precious metals. You're sitting there just drowning in inflation knowing that it, you could fix it very easily. Put some money aside. Take your RSP. Put some money aside into a registered account for precious metals. It's up 400% in the last 20 years. It's up 55 plus percent in the last uh, ten, uh, five years. It's a great hedge. And we're not saying it has to be every part of your portfolio, but it's had a great, solid, conservative return that beats most performances across the board. Mm -hmm. So when you see this arbitrage, you've got to realize that we are running out fast. Mm -hmm. And people will say, well, when, Jerry? When? You answer it. When, Jerry? When is it going to happen? You know, since 2020, a lot of people went really long in precious metals. This is when the lockdowns happened. And, you know, people, many have been scratching their hands since then, um, you know, waiting for the move higher in precious metals as an investment. But we should remember that the fundamental purpose as money uh, for metals is money, is as money and as a store of value. Uh, versus everyday's currency's diminishing purchasing power. It's not the understated 3% inflation, which is what we were told this week on Wednesday. The, the CPI data came out. The expectation was a lowball 2.9%. The actual figure came out 3.1, whereas the previous figure was 3.4. I mean, these figures are absolute bogus when you see car insurance inflation at 20%, transportation inflation at 10%, Hospital services, 7%. Car repair, 7%. The real-world inflation is hovering, according to shadowstats.com, it's around 12%. Upcoming U.S. Federal Reserve rate cuts is the key. Because they launched 40-year high inflation from 2020 for COVID relief, obviously, they printed $4 trillion in a matter of seven months. They released 40-year high inflation. So there's been rate cuts, rate hikes holding gold and silver down. When a country r cuts their interest rates, the currency declines, whereas when they, when they cut their rates, it starts to decline. 
And then gold and silver are inversely correlated to that. So when the U.S. begins to cut their interest rates, now it may not be March, it may not be May, but it is going to be this year. And when they do cut, the U.S. dollar index will plummet and the gold and silver will extend, ascend into this already existing super cycle, which began back in 2016. We've, according to historic trends, we've had two precious metals super cycles since the 70s. And each super cycle saw gold move up on a simple average, 1,435% gain in a period of 10 years. And we've already started that. And this is according to Jim Rickards. He wrote this three weeks ago. The third bull market we are already in. So basically where we started this bull market in 2016, gold was 1,050. That's where it bottomed. If we apply the 1,435% gain to 1,050, where do we end up? $15,000 gold per ounce by 2026. And if we revert back from where we are today, a silver to gold ratio of 90 to 1 back to a probably more trusted maybe 30 to 1, we're, we're seeing upside potential. We're talking about $500 US per ounce for silver. I don't think the military will like that very much. No, but at the end of the day, that's what it's worth. That is what right? it's worth. That's what it's going to be worth. At some point, it doesn't matter what the price is. It matters what it buys you. And so when you look at what, what silver should buy you in terms of a home, I would think 5,000 ounces should do the trick, right? I know in the past you've talked about 2,000 ounces. When I first started working here, it was something like 20,000 ounces to buy a home. It's up to like, it's, it's way more than that now. So it's gotten even cheaper against the, the money system currently. When you think about it, even though gold has, silver's moved up from what, under $4 an ounce to $23 over the last 15 years, um, it, it still has a long, long way to go. And I think that when you put those numbers into perspective, if someone said $500, what's $500? There's plenty of stocks trading over $500. Are, is the value of those companies worth $500? Probably not. The PE ratios are massive, the meaning they've pulled in future earnings uh, on your great-great-grandkids up, up to the present day to say that's what this stock is worth. Well, why is that? Well, the reason that is... It's because they printed all this money and gone into all this debt to try to keep this system going. And so how do you protect yourself against that? You have to hedge with something real, right? You had a poker game. Here's all the chips. There's the keys to the car, buddy, mm -hmm. right? That's, you need real assets, and that's what Greenspan said. Gold is money. JP Morgan, gold is money. All else is credit. You have no counterparty risk when you own gold and silver, and you can do it in a registered account. You can buy it, take it home. You can just go to the e-store and pick up some, some. And we recommend you start small just to get a sense of how this works. But we're so excited about where the market's going to go. Stop chasing rainbows. The market's already high. We're already in major bubble territory, and you know the crisis is going to hit. You know the crisis of money's coming, and you're not getting any insurance. You're going to wait till the house is on fire? You can't. It's going to be too late. You know, you've got to get the insurance before the fire. The number, one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. More to come on The Real Money Show on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser.
The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back to The Real Money Show. The number, one eight seven seven eight silver The website, guildhallwealth.com. You know, anyone who's listened to the show knows we love the precious metals. Uh, we've been in this long enough. We've got great performance behind us. Ultimately, look, gold and silver are physical assets. They're on the table of elements. They're tough. They're dependable. They're durable. They will last generations absolute generations they'll last a lifetime this type of commodity they are virtually indestructible so when you're seeing a world that's so in flux with change and so many things could could happen at an instant and there's so much fragility in the market and you're looking for something that's dependable why not own real money why not own an asset that has stood the test of time and has a proven uh, track record especially against fiat currencies it just makes absolute sense to put some physical precious metal in your portfolio and the, the thing is as well jerry i find that a lot of people when they first come to precious metals they are bringing an investment mindset to the market and it's not an investment it's just you're holding real money there's a difference between investing with counterparties versus just having something that has no counterparty. Yes, and I used, to, you know, I did have I did adopt that mindset of the of of viewing gold and silver as an investment naturally when you buy something you want it to boom right through the roof. But then as you hold the precious metals, you realize why countries have been owning this, why people acquire and have been thriving through financial crises for generations. Um, it's to protect against the loss of purchasing power. And when you look at an investment, when maybe a dividend is paying off, paying you 5%, 4%, when a dividend is giving you something, or when a GIC is offering you 5 or 6% interest, remember what the loss of purchasing power looks like, which is real-world inflation, which is roughly around 10 to 12%. So if you're being offered 5 you're actually down 5 to 7% by the year end. So the investment mindset, you're actually, those gains that you're looking for, the yield that you're chasing is not doing anything for your portfolio. Whereas with gold and silver, they're denominated in itself, denominated in ounces. We're valuing our wealth now in, a, in, a cur in something away from a fiat currency or even fiat 2.0 currency. This is gold and silver that can be converted into anything. And when you look at the demand that's coming into the market, and we talk about only 3% of the global population owning gold and silver, you add another 1% or 2% on top of that alone out of all of the global financial assets, you eliminate now. You eliminate all above-ground ounces for both silver and gold together. And then that's where you'll see the scarcity part of the characteristics of money being scarce really come alive and start making your gold and silver holdings a real investment start to going up in, in multiple times. Well, I just think that it, this is the perfect opportunity, a generational opportunity a trans a transition of wealth at this point where you're looking for something that's undervalued that has a lot of upside potential that's asymmetric in terms of how much it costs to bring out of the ground we didn't even talk about that mexico is banning open pit mining and how many mining operations are going to be affected by this which means even less silver coming to market which we'll talk about just a moment i'll, I'll let you grab that info um, we didn't talk about this either stanley druckenmiller Mm -hmm. Dump tech stocks, bought gold miners. 
He's arguably one of the world's greatest investors, and he cites that central banks are stockpiling gold, and now uh, so is this legendary investor. Um, look, at the end of the day, what he said was he was unnerved, unnerved by the Federal Reserve response to the failure of Silicon Valley Bank. Today, he's, he goes on, commercial real estate is a mess, and we are watching de-dollarization in real time. So you can follow the smart money. And one of the smartest investors out there is now getting involved in gold. Now, I would say, listen, Stanley, you should consider some physical as well, along with your miners, but I understand you're, you're working in that financialized world. But still, and then... Um, it's the exposure. It's, it's the exposure. And then to your, to your point, Jerry, I also wanted to point out, this comes from Gold Telegraph, Canada's natural resource minister warns the country must accelerate energy transition for economic security and says Western countries must catch, must catch up with China, which is leading on multiple fronts. What do you make of that? Well, this is a it's massive the natural, minister, natural resource minister saying we've got to catch up on energy transition. Wait, well, they read the, read the headline, obviously. In January alone, China imported a whopping 3 million troy ounces of gold and 12 million troy ounces of silver. The silver imports are the highest since December of 2020. And at the time, inflation was going rampant and countries like China were intelligently, intelligently trading their paper for real assets. So they're no, now a little late noticing this trend. And thankfully, Canada's have the resources. Hopefully, we can um, do as JP Morgan did and move away from the ESG and start, start, the, uh, start the pit mining because yes, Talking about Mexico, they're about to close down 97 of about 200 open pit mines. This is this is huge trouble for the silver in, uh, industry because Mexico uh, exports to the U.S. and they produce roughly 25% of the world's silver. Their production was recently been declining year over year by double digits and could exhaust their reserves by 2026. Well, essentially, if they just cut off half of their mining... Uh, you know, handicapping a little bit. They just went from 25% of the world's silver down to potentially 12%, mm -hmm. maybe less, depending on how much that that open pit actually produces. The race is on, and everyone's everyone from you know mom and pop to mainstream is getting on board. Even just last week, Money Week, which is Britain's best-selling financial magazine, has just written a mega mega bullish article on silver. The article has some highly compelling information that is condensed for your convenience, and we have it on the website. The, it's Money Week, silver set to surge, and how to play the precious metal on page 26. Talk about burying the lead. We left it for the very end. But <laughs> thank you for joining The Real Money Show, Jerry. Always a pleasure. Thanks to our listeners for joining, and we can't wait to speak to you next week. The number one eight seven seven eight silver the website guildhallwealth.com. Remember, RSP time is coming to a close. Get your funds in. You'll get your, your rebate. It means you're going to get your gold that much cheaper. Enjoy family day. Thank you so much. We'll speak to you next week here on The Real Money Show on 640 Toronto. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.